In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the work of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with freewill offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with valuable gifts, in addition to all the freewill offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his God. In all, there were 5,400 articles of gold and silver. Shezbazar brought all these along with the exiles when they came up from Babylon to Jerusalem. The whole company numbered 42,360 besides their 7,337 male and female slaves, and they also had 200 male and female singers. They have 736 horses, 245 mules, 435 camels, and 6,720 donkeys. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Josadak and his fellow priests and his associates began to build the altar, altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. Going home, right? Going home. You like that feeling, right? Don't you like when you go home? You've been on that business trip for how long? And you finally walk in the door. Does this feel good? Right? I just was on, uh, on some vacation time. Thank you. On some vacation time and uh, up at my cabin. And uh, that is like my uh, heaven on earth up there. I love it up there. But you know, there's something good when I got home and walked in the door the other night. Right? There's just something good about getting home. Am I the only one that feels that way? Yeah. Isn't that right? There's just something good about getting home. Think about what this was like for the people of Israel. They have been in exile. They have been dominated by a foreign power. They have, like last week you heard Daniel, they have had to stand against the struggle of what it means to be God's people in the midst of a whole nother culture. And finally, finally, Cyrus comes to power and says, you get to go home. You get to go home. 
And, and what would that feel like? Not, not just to get the news, you get to go home. But for that first group of folks who returned back to Jerusalem, what, what would that feel like to finally put your feet on that ground? To stand on the Temple Mount. Home. That's where we are uh, in the story, right? As we go through the big story of what God's been doing, we're uh, at that point where they're returning now from exile. And we've been kind of walking with the prophets uh, through the experience of the story of God's people. And so if you look at the kind of prophetic activity, you can see it sliced up into three general kinds of ways that we kind of had that before captivity experience where the prophets came along and said, people, what are you doing? Get back to the Lord, right? You're messing it up. Get back to the Lord. And, of course, they messed it up, and they went into captivity. And then you had last week, Daniel, you had that kind of how do you stand in the middle of exile, and then now after captivity. And so we're going to start looking at these prophets that begin to speak after the folks get home. And the first prophet to speak after they get home is the prophet Haggai. He is the first one. It's uh, a book in the, in the Old Testament, easy to miss. It's only two chapters long, uh, but it is a profound and challenging book. Why? Because the parallels between what happens to God's people when they get back and the way we also are tempted to live are so extraordinary. You are going to feel it, I'm confident, uh, as we walk through this experience this morning. So the people of God, they get back. They get back to the promised land. And, uh, you know, after you've been in exile, after you've been on that kind of journey, when, when you get back home and you're a good Jew, what is the first thing you do when you get back home? I mean, after you go to the bathroom and everything, what is the first thing you do when, when you get back home? You're, you're a good Jew now, remember? You're, you're God's people. Well, the first thing you do is... You build a temple. You lay the foundation, right? Why? Because the temple is not just any building. The temple is that extraordinary building that says, no, this place, this people, we belong to God. We know exactly who we are. The temple is that that representation, that symbol that says, no, not just this ground, but this nation, this people, these lives, the." We aren't just any people. We belong. We are claimed. And this place belongs to the Most High God. And they get back. And they do it. They do it. They get back and they understand. They're so excited about being back in Jerusalem. They get back and after they get themselves kind of settled a little bit, they, they lay that foundation. They lay that foundation and they claim that place and say, Hey, God now lives here in Jerusalem once again. We belong to Him, His people. But then, then they get distracted. They get distracted. I mean, they get back, they lay the foundation, there's excitement, there's hoopla, you heard all about it, praise the Lord. Oh, fantastic. But then... They get into the daily grind. They get into the the daily living. And they get distracted. 
and their priorities shift. And so the prophet Haggai comes along. This is 15, 16 years after they have laid the cornerstone for the temple. So they got back, excited, laid the cornerstone, got distracted. 15, 16 years later, Haggai emerges on the scene and he says, uh, speaks for the Lord and says, Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house does what? Now, what's the problem in the verse? Think about it. What's the problem in the verse? Is the problem that they're living in houses? No, of course not. God provides for his people. The problem isn't that they got houses. The problem is what kind of houses they have. Luxurious houses. What's it telling you? You see, they're spending their time taking care of who first. They're taking, they, they got distracted from this beginning point of saying, hey, this place belongs to God. Our lives, we belong to Him. Our lives are all about Him. The highest and greatest use of my life is to live for God. And then they got into the daily grind of things and they got distracted by all the stuff that life seems to fill up with. And in that distraction, they move from saying God comes first to saying, I come first. And they start focusing on their own luxury. And Haggai comes along and challenges their priorities. He comes along and challenges the priorities. He says, now go up into the hills, bring down some timber and do what? Rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. He calls him back and says, wait, 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 wait. You're distracted. You're just you're getting involved in all this daily stuff, and, and it's just you're distracted because the highest and greatest use of your life is to honor God. The most important thing you can do with your life is to honor God. And there's outcomes when you don't live that way. When you get distracted by the daily grind and you start moving into thinking about yourself more than you think about how your life honors God. When you start thinking about the daily grind and you start thinking about how you're going to take care of yourself more than honoring God. There's, there's consequences that come along. And so Haggai says, you have planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. I love this last one. Your wages disappear as though you are putting them in pockets filled with holes. Anybody identify? <laughs> well, I had it a minute ago. <laughs> Isn't that the way life can become? When you just get distracted. And life never really is fully satisfying. You, you know there should be more. And somehow it just never gets there. And Haggai says, that's what happens. That's what happens when you get your priorities out of order. That's what happens when you, when you start moving yourself into the top position instead of leaving God in that position. 
That's what happens because in it, God is still working, trying to reclaim you. And so Haggai says, you hope for rich harvest, but you were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Now remember that phrase. Later on when we look at a promise, remember that phrase. I blew it away. God's saying, listen, you, 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 were, you were going trying to satisfy your own life. It cannot happen when you get things out of order. I blew it away. He, he's constantly trying to get our attention. Why? Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. He's trying to get our attention so we don't waste our lives, but we use them for the highest and greatest purpose, to honor Him. And when we do that, therein lies satisfaction. Therein lies the fullness of life. Jesus came and said what? I came to bring you life and bring it to the full. Amen? Fullness is when we keep it in the order. Haggai challenges the people of his day, and he challenges us today. This, this book is only two chapters long, so it's easy to miss in the Old Testament. It's only two chapters long. And yet in this book, five times, five times he calls the people to look at their lives. He says, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. The Hebrew word that lies behind that phrase, it could be translated consider. And it happens five times. That word occurs five times. In 1517215, and in 218, towards the end of the book, in that verse it happens twice. What's he trying to get through to us? Think about it. Take 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 a look. I mean, isn't it isn't it right that that we need to just kind of put a, put a stop on our life once in a while and just pause and consider. Am I living my life to its highest and greatest purpose? Am I really satisfied? Is my life really about the most important things? Consider. Take a look. Consider. That's a challenge, not simply for the people of old. That is a challenge for each one of us to just pause and say, listen, we know we're claimed in Christ. We, we, we know that we're claimed for a higher and greater purpose, but are we doing it? Are we doing it? How many times have you been in worship in a month? Are you honoring Him every week? How many, how many times have you been in the Word in a week? You engaging with him? How, how many times have you have been given your life away in the service of somebody else? How many times have you been gathering with, with God's people to just care for one another and grow one another? Are, are, you, are you honoring him with the way you manage your finances, or is the mortgage the highest use in your life? That's a parallel. Take a look. Consider. Look at the priorities. Haggai challenges them to look at the priorities. Now, the, the, the risk is today that, that we hear this message, we hear this word of the prophet today, and say, yeah, okay, fine, good. But it, it, I, I just, I need some time. 
okay, I, I get it. I know what I'm supposed to do, but it's just, g- give me a little while here. Just, I just need to get this done, or I just need to have that happen, or, or I, just, I just need a little more time, and then I'm going to get there. This is exactly what happened to God's people when Haggai emerged on the scene. He emerges on the scene, and he's preaching to him. The whole book takes four months. The whole book takes a span of four months. And from the time he begins preaching until this happens, the enthusiasm happens in in the governor, and the enthusiasm happens in the high priest, and the enthusiasm happens in God's people, and they get back to work on the temple. To get that to happen, it takes 23 days. Think about that. From the time he starts speaking in verse 1-1 to chapter 1, uh, verse 15, when they finally get this thing going, they finally get back to work, it takes 23 days for this reality to sink in. Don't take 23 days. Don't, don't waste one more day. Don't, don't, don't waste one more hour. Hear what the Lord is inviting you into this morning. Just grab right now what He's inviting you to do. Take a look at your life, consider it carefully, and then just take the step. Step into it. Step into the truth. Step into the promise. Step into the future that He has for you. And that's what Haggai's talking about. He's talking about taking that step, just getting getting life in the right order and saying, listen, my life is about honoring God. And so I'm just going to start building the temple. I'm just going to start building the temple. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what the outcome. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know all the ins and outs about how it's going to be. But I'm going to just step into building the temple. See, what happens is we finally get the word. We finally take that step. Then we start looking backwards and we start measuring over the past. And that's exactly what happened to God's people, right? They step in. They start building. They got the enthusiasm. But then there's this little word that starts creeping in saying, Oh, man, you know, what are we doing I mean, even when we're done, is, can this temple look anything like Solomon's temple? I mean, Solomon's temple was awesome. It was fantastic. What can we, who am I? What can I do? That's captured here. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It seems like nothing at all. So you may look at your life, you may look at your past, and you may, you may think to yourself, oh, how, how could it be anything more? How, I, given everything that I've done in the past, how could, how could my life become anything more? Given all of my weaknesses and all the faults that I've got, how, how, how could my life become anything more? Look what Haggai says. Look at verse 9. This is a great, you want to remember this one. This is a great chunk of Scripture. For this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Now, I want you to notice that right away in the first verse. It says, this is what the Lord of who? Heaven's armies. You tell me who's on your side. The Lord of heaven's armies. <laughs> I mean, now we're not talking some wimpy God here. <laughs> we're talking the Lord of splendor, the Lord of heaven's armies. The arsenal of the kingdom is on your side. The Lord of heaven's armies. 
You may not know how it's going to happen. He didn't know. He said, look, the Lord of heaven's army, this is what he says. In just a little while, I'm again going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the earth. I'm going to shake the oceans, the island. I'm going to shake the nations. And the treasures of all the nations are going to be brought into this temple. I'm going to fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And the silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven. See, they probably sat there going, oh, how are we going to do this? We just got out of exile. I know we brought all this booty and stuff back that Nebuchadnezzar took, but really, how can we do this? How could we accomplish it? How could my life be anything different? And God says, the future glory of this temple will be greater than in its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't you dare doubt what God can do when you put Him in charge. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. And there's nothing in your past, there's nothing in your present that is going to get in the way of what He can do in your future when you just say, my life is all about Him. My life is all about Him. The highest and greatest use of my life is to live for Him. And Haggai says, I'm giving you a promise. This is God speaking. This is a great verse. I'm giving you a promise now. While the seed is still in the barn. So where's the seed? It's in the barn. It hadn't been planted yet. Right? Still sitting in the sacks. Still sitting in the barn. How's this all going to happen? How's all? I just don't see how it can all unfold. I don't know how it all get done. I don't know how it all can be accomplished in my life. The seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain or your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees. You have not yet produced their crops. You don't have anything yet. But what does God say? But from this day onward, I will bless you. From this day onward, I will bless you. Remember that verse in the very beginning I told you to remember? What did it say? When you were living with your life out of priority, he said, I blew it away. When you get your life back in the priority, what does he say? You don't have to worry about how it's going to happen. You don't have to worry about how it's going to unfold. You don't have to doubt and think it can't happen or you don't have everything it takes because he does. And his promises are true. Just get busy building. Just get busy building. Start building that person that God wants you to be. Start building that family that God wants you to be. Start building this fellowship of believers that God wants us to be. Just step into it in confidence, not in yourself, but in Christ. Just step into it. There's another prophet that comes along right right behind Haggai, right? So Haggai kind of gives this challenge. Zechariah steps in right behind him to keep the project going, to keep the movement happening, to get that temple kind of built. And Zechariah says, this is what the Lord says, it is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit. So you can't force it, you can't strategize it, you can't somehow connive it, you can't manipulate it. It's not by force, it's not by your strength, but it is by God's Spirit. And by His Spirit, what? It's going to happen because He is the Lord of heaven's armies. See, we don't have to have it all figured out. All we have to know is God blesses us when we get our lives living for Him. 
Is it going to be smooth sailing? Is it going to be easy? No. These guys went through all kinds of adversity. They went through all kinds of challenge. They got back from exile. And the people that were living there, who stayed there, they kept trying to subvert the project. They kept trying to get it off track. They went through some drought and they went through some challenges. And yet what? God just said, just stay with me. Just stay with me because I will accomplish it. And how do we know that? Thus says the Lord, shout and rejoice, beautiful Jerusalem, for I am coming to live among you. Remember what the temple was? See, it'll happen because it's his ground. It's his thing. It's your, your life. It's his life. It will happen because of him, not because of us. And he sees so much further ahead than you can see. Prove it to you. Zechariah the prophet, focusing on rebuilding the temple, right? And yet Zechariah says this, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Who's he talking about? Palm Sunday. How could he do that? Zachariah. He's way back here. He's just focusing on building a temple. And yet out of his mouth would come words of how the kingdom of heaven is going to be built in your life through Jesus Christ. How your sins are going to be totally wiped out and forgiven through Jesus Christ. How your life is going to be new and different through the power of Jesus Christ living in your life every day. Building a temple, he could foresee the opportunity for your life to become more than you think or imagine. Because you just consider. Consider how good it is to use your life for his honor and for his glory. And just trust in his promise. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge of Haggai, Zechariah, building that temple, stepping into it for us. Here's the challenge. Just take some time and consider. Consider. Look at your life. Do what he's asking. Just take a good, hard look and say, is my Am, am I living my life for the highest and greatest just to, to honor Christ and to live for Him? Right? Second, what's it going to take to get you building according to God's priorities? Don't delay, right? Don't get lost in the everyday grind. Don't get lost in, in the distraction and put it off. Don't come up with all the obstacles and all the reasons why you can't. Just trust Him. He can. Not by your strength, His strength. And just step, step, step. Start building building that temple. And you know you're going to face adversity, so understand it up front. But when you face that adversity, are you ready to just believe the promise is greater? Remember, we're talking about the Lord of heaven's armies. He can do this. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for your goodness uh, to look at us today with uh, grace and mercy that our past is not in control, but you are. And you have a future for us that is far beyond, far beyond 
what even we could imagine. So we ask this morning that as we get ready to come to the table, we could come this morning and just empty ourselves. Let go of all the grind. Let go of all the other stuff that gets distracting. And that we could just once again say, Jesus, your Lord, our lives are yours. Start building the temple. The temple of our own faith as we walk. The temple of our families. The, the temple of this church. That we could not get lost in all the other distractions and all the how's it going to happen stuff. And instead, we could just focus on the bigger picture. Just honoring you, living for your glory, accomplishing the cause. So Lord, bless us now, strengthen us with this word of the prophets, and get us building. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.